We got a very special guest with us in this interview style episode uh, today, and it's uh, one of the leaders of art and entertainment ministries who have been coaching and promoting artists and filmmakers for many, many years. He has some great thoughts about beauty and its implications in the world. So don't miss out. Let's do this. The world in the West has become increasingly ugly. People are increasingly depressed and big movements all over the world are now telling modernism enough is enough. Join us on this podcast as we unite these voices and together recover the beauty of art, music and architecture to uncover its significance for environmental stewardship, mental health, moral goodness, objective truth and a vital spiritual life. My name is Magnus Gautestad and this is Beauty and the Faith. So welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to be here with uh, Joel. Uh, Joel, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be with you, Magnus. And uh, I'm just going to fill you in a bit about uh, Joel. Uh, he is uh, the president of Arts and Entertainment Ministries in Los Angeles, California. He and his wife, Michelle, uh, co-founded this nonprofit in 2004 in order to equip artists and creative professionals to think, live, and create from a biblical worldview. Joel has been teaching for 25 years now on the intersection of faith and culture, and is currently writing a book on biblical theology of beauty. So I was just thinking, could there be a more relevant <laughs> guest in the world right now for this podcast? So Joel has a BA in philosophy from Westmount College in Santa Barbara, and his uh, M. Div from Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. He's uh, ordained in the PCA and has been a pastor in New York and in Los Angeles for over 20 years. He and his wife, Michelle, live in Los Angeles with their three kids, Rage, Sophia, and Alexandria. All right, so we'll be talking here about beauty and the faith. And I, I wanted to start this off, Joel. What would appreciating and creating more beauty lead to? What is your thoughts on that? Well, <clears throat> I guess the place I start is as a as a Christian or as a theologian, the, and this part of my my book. But the Bible starts in a beautiful garden, and it ends in a spectacularly beautiful city. And even in the middle of Ecclesiastes, we find Solomon saying, "God makes all things beautiful in its time, not functional, not efficient, not just, not any of the, it's." Beauty, God's economy is making things beautiful. And after the fall, it is bringing beauty out of ashes. And so I think, and I, in any sense, beauty draws us to think of what life is meant to be. You know, we all live, as they say, east of Eden. We're out of Eden. We're not in the New Jerusalem. But we long to be made whole. And I think this is why, like in America, we spend $55 billion a year just on cosmetics. That's not even plastic surgery. I think it's 17 billion just on cleansers to get rid of acne, you know, because <laughs> we want to look perfect. And I think that's a yearning for heaven. It's a yearning to be made whole. We realize this is not fully what we're meant to experience. There's something more. And uh, some people try to create a utopia here, whatever. We can make it as beautiful as possible. 
but it's really a longing to be made completely whole. And even in the Old Testament, you see the line talking about God in the beauty of his holiness. And holiness, part of that meaning is without blemish. It's to not have any, you know, disfigurement or any of those things. And so that's what we long for. And all of us, you know, struggles we get older, especially with that. And the temptation can be vanity, but my concern has been the church too quickly goes to, well, don't be vain. And then like that covers the topic, yeah. you know, but there's so much to celebrate and enjoy. You know, a man should look handsome for his wife. A woman should look beautiful for her husband. We should make worship beautiful because it echoes the glory of God and a foretaste of the heaven we long to go to once we've faithfully served here. Hmm. Well, that is uh, well. There's a lot to to comment on that. I think I need to le- just let that sink in a little bit. And but I think you have some very uh, biblical and clear points there. And it's interesting that in in uh, our uh, Christian family that there are so many different views when it comes to how important beauty is. Yes. Uh, right. We we yes. are uh, <clears throat> as you know people of. Children of the Reformation, so to speak, we we, we do have an emphasis on the word, and uh, of course, evangelism <laughs> is, yeah. is is very very important. But we also, you know, at times we kind of have just removed everything else, and it, it seems like the word has uh, um, maybe have been reduced down, maybe to just parts of the Bible or the character of God. And I just wonder to make this a bit more specific and practical because. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm finishing a degree now in theology and leadership, but I'm kind of a practical guy. Like I, I, sure. I, I like I like things pretty like down to earth. And I just wonder, how, what place do you see beauty having in the process of evangelism, for example, to to reach people with the gospel for for the church and the, the parachurch and the, the scattered church? I think yeah, it's a great question. <clears throat> you know, I look back to. You know, the three primary forms of Plato are the true, the good, and the beautiful. Kind of that, those three core issues that then St. Augustine a few hundred years later said, these are in the mind of God. They're not out in the ethernet, you know, the way Plato talked about. They're in the mind of God, or even the Christian philosopher Plantinga says, they're part of the character of God. Like that is his character. And if you think of it, it makes sense. Could God have made Eden untrue or false or ugly? No, it's all absurd. That's very much part of his character. And I, you know, Immanuel Kant really ta- attacked all three in his critique of reason, critique of judgment, pure judgment. He's attacking the true, good, and beautiful. And the one man who's who's coming back right now in this space, because nobody's talked about beauty since the Reformation, right? And I, I think the problem was we equivocated art and excess and hypocrisy with what was going on in the Catholic Church. So you had the Reformation for Protestants and the Counter-Reformation, my Catholic friends remind me, inside the Catholic Church, they they recognized the need to change too. But out of that came this iconoclastic kind of spirit, if you will, almost, that Luther and Calvin did not agree with. Luther said, stop destroying the organs. Calvin didn't preach on this either. But the culture was so upset and we have not recovered. And then you had, you know, like you're talking about, then you have the Enlightenment, you have scientific revolution where everything is about science and reason. And if you can quantify it or qualify it, it has value. Mm. And of course, art has no value and beauty is off the table. Mm. And that's where the romantics come in because the romanticists are saying, 
And literally, they were saying artists have no value except to be used to illustrate medical journals. Like that's all you're good for. Because hmm. it was so strictly about reason and goodness and 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 those things and about scientific method. And the church was fighting to, for faith against reason. Like it was fighting these go together, and beauty was kicked to the curb. And so we we didn't even have the conversation, much less, you know, fight for beauty. So. But in the last century, there's a great Catholic thinker. There's a couple of them. One is von Balthasar, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Mm. And he wrote a series of books, and he starts with beauty. It's a very weighty book. It's like 600 pages. And I mean, even for me, I have a degree in philosophy, a degree in theology. And it's still, you know, it's a, it's a weighty process to wade through this thing. Um, and uh, so it's it's not for the faint of heart, but it's... He's really appealing part beauty in all of history and philosophy. And, and he's saying we need to start there. Hmm. And then um, von Hildebrand is another, another German Austrian thinker. Um, Hitler had a price on his head because he was attacking what they were doing. And he's saying, this is heresy. Hmm. But one of his things is fighting for beauty. His wife, Alice just passed away hmm. this last year. Um, but they're saying we should start with beauty. And I, I think they're absolutely right. I realize that even beginning to teach on beauty as objective, not subjective, um, you make a lot of people uncomfortable, and particularly people in the fine art world. Because if you get a degree, an MFA at Yale or UCLA, you're told not to use the word beauty in the program. Hmm. Because they they tie it to sentimentality, to nostalgia, to a Thomas Kincaid kind of something simple they can dismiss and they and i think the reason deep down for these people there's a lot of reasons one is if you believe there's an objective beauty there's some principles that speak to that then it points to something transcendent Hmm. and this work Kant's wrong it you see a sunset you see a baby born i mean there are universal experiences where people go wow there's a god and uh and I think beauty opens the door for that conversation in a way that apologetics and arguing uh, are not as effective. So I think, yeah, beauty, we need to we need to get all three, beauty, good, and truth. And at, at the height, they're one thing. Mm. Mm. Pure truth is going to be beautiful. Pure goodness is beautiful. And pure beauty is good and true. At the height, they're all one thing. And, and so we can't, can't divorce them. But I think that is a doorway for evangelism. It's powerful. You know, we had a friend in New York who's an investment banker. And uh, his journey to Christ, the first step was going to a concert at Carnegie Hall. And it was a Bach concert. And he came out thinking, there's a God. This order and beauty speaks of something else. It, it, It works so perfectly. And then he started going to church and then became a Christian. You know, and I think, I think that's where our culture is. Mm. You know, it's a doorway most people aren't thinking about, but but we as creatives and people ministering to creatives, we need to we need to explore these issues totally. Mm. Well, that's a, a great background, and I really like that you're giving a a, a big. Uh, Burview perspective on how this has been a central discussion point through also through history uh, and uh, as something very important that we should be dealing with. Um, so I, uh, you you also were pointing to there 
about a testimony, and my testimony is actually very similar uh, because I lived in San Francisco for five years, and uh, excuse me, for five months uh, um, to start a music degree. And there I had a course called Musical Appreciation. So I got education that opened my eyes for a world that I never really experienced, even though I've been playing in rock bands and you know all of these things for many years. Uh, and when, when I was yeah. there, I trained my ear and I was able to kind of take it all in. I was able to listen to many things at the same time. And then suddenly I started to see a, a like a harmony and how everything was connected. And I also learned about uh, Western history and, and all of these things. And when I came back to Norway, I, I played so much guitar that, you know, I got uh, uh, I, both my hands stopped working. So I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't even <laughs> hold a pen. Uh, so I had to drop out of school. I went back uh, uh, half defeated to Norway and, and, and started a music school in the basement of my parents' house. But, you know, that's another story. But the point here is, <laughs> what did I do? At that time, I was doing transcendental meditation. I was, uh, you know smoking weed and I was like a lost type of new sure. age uh, type of self-help uh, guru attracted uh, overachiever uh, stepping out of the rock world and but I was looking for something bigger because that type of experience I saw in the classical tradition all pointed towards something out of this world it wasn't exploring the world it was kind of pointing me into something greater something more majestic something yes. uh that I hadn't found yet. And I started going to the local church exactly to listen to Bach. And I was just sitting there. The word <laughs> didn't make any sense. I was just sitting there and kind of like practicing the power of now or something. And I remember the church, the Lutheran church was very beautiful. And I just liked to be there. And I got this otherworldliness, wow, type of uh, enchantment type of experience of of like the wow something wonderful uh, and then you know over time you know I heard the gospel in there and then I I, I um, started to have uh, sorrow over my my sin and I I I understood that God first reached out to us even though I had all this sin and then it kind of just broke my heart for like what real love it was so mm. I I think beautiful sometimes. We, we, we think, okay, we need more apologetics, right? Because truth is like really what convicts people. And for some it is. And for other people, sure. we need more people to, to build hospitals because that type of, you know, they didn't deserve it at all. But just that goodness of that sacrificial love, it just put colds on people's Amen. conscience. And it's like, why are you doing this to me? I don't deserve it. And it's like, well, because Jesus loved me, right? But for some people, especially <laughs> yeah. artists um, and, and creatives and all of these people, are we maybe neglecting them a little bit when we are trying to to yes. share a message that reach people? Uh, so um, do you have a, a few more closing thoughts on, on this topic or a response to what I said there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to pull up a quote. I just spoke at a, a conference in Texas. I gave three talks on the arts and beauty. And I want to give you one of these great quotes from C.S. Lewis. Hmm. You know, C.S. Lewis was a pagan before he came to Christianity. And Part of it was his discussions with Tolkien. But he talks about people thinking the beauty is in the object. And there's a great quote. You can find it online. But he said, the books or music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our past, the good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols. 
breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, and news from a country we have never yet visited. And that's from his book, The Weight of Glory. And I just, Mm. your testimony, Ah. what we're talking about, Mm. that's it. Like the beauty is there, but it's, it's not contained. It's, it's a vessel to just open your heart to see there's a God that is so much more beautiful than even this great piece of Bach or this majestic painting or whatever mm. it is. This, you know, it, it's a tiny foretaste of heaven. It, mm. it's, it's barely a sample. Oh. And that's the beauty of the God we serve. So that's, I just had to bring that in there. Oh, that's wonderful. I had chills four times so far in this conversation so we're doing something uh, significant <laughs> i think um so we're going to bring this to a close uh, and again i want to take this to more like a practical uh, end because the intention of of this podcast is to unite the different voices and actually right. you know bring together everything from faith driven entrepreneurs and investors and artists and yes, there are many who are doing a great work of educating people, making people aware, making people appreciate, but some people got to be the creators. Some people got to yes. be the action takers. Some people got to um, come together, build a network and and do things. You know, I, I'm building toward yeah. a, a long-term project to get more church squares going, uh, these beautiful community uh, making areas or making more art centers. You know, that's some of the things that's on my heart and help yeah. artists to have a place where they can uh, where they can uh, glorify God instead of just expressing themselves and, and kind of end up in uh, this con- <laughs> Absolutely. confusion. Um, but what, how, how can you help people to you know get get going and and use their gifts and 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 join the the lord in 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 mission or if there's people are unbelievers uh doesn't believe in in jesus and god and that listens to this uh podcast right now but are artists and they are frustrated with the lack of beauty in the different disciplines and they just want to know more about maybe what christianity has to say about these things um because maybe they couldn't get these things from their 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 uh, universities sure. uh how can you help this different range of of, of people well that's a big question because we it's a broad group, and yet, you know, our hearts are similar, Magnus. So it's a lot of the same things. One of the things we found is that <clears throat> is overcoming the theological kind of baggage or wounds or hangups we have from the past. And so, <clears throat> like we just did a, a video on YouTube on fairy tales and parables and talked about Jesus. Um, you know, it tells him he, he spoke only in parables to the public. And then he explained it in private to the disciples Mm. and reminding our people, so do not feel obligated to explain everything. Leave the nuance, leave the subjects, leave all that thing in there. Let the Holy Spirit do its work. Mm. And we've come from churches that are so focused, like you said, on the word, that we think we have to make everything very explicit, didactic. And that's not art, that's propaganda. And that's not what we're about. We're about art, which is an invitation to think more deeply about life to contemplate the more beautiful, deep things that we experience. So part of it for us is we have YouTube, we have emails, and I have a devotional goes out every Monday for people who subscribe to our email. It's helping break down all those things that in your baggage, someone, well, it's nice to do art, but don't do that for a living. Or 
you can't really glorify God by making movies and moving to Hollywood, or you can't really, whatever it is. And so part of it is just dispelling all of that. And then second is encouraging them really to walk with Christ, that the most satisfying way to do this is to be a deep believer and realize God is rejoicing in you using your creativity. And one of the things von Balthasar, that book on beauty, he talks about is God's character from eternity past is that he is always loving sacrificially us. That's from before Genesis through creation and the cross onto the new Jerusalem. And that your art, our art is not to be like you said, this is not the junk of just vomit up your emotions. That's not loving. If you can't do it at the dinner table, because art is communication. So how do we communicate to our audience in a loving way? Because your your audience is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. How do you love your audience? Well, you don't vomit your emotions on the dinner table and say, well, that's, you just do what you want. That's self-indulgence and it's not loving. So mm. how do we do that? But when we do love our audience, God rejoices in us expressing that love. And then people, they smell the aroma of Christ in our work, in our lives. And then we can have a talk about why, why do you create art so differently? Your films, your video games. I'm going to a conference a couple of weeks for Christians in video gaming. And we're talking about these issues. What's different that people are going to say, this, this is life-giving rather than life-draining. And the arts have a power, a way to do that in almost the way no, nothing else does. And so I have a unique calling. And I think for artists who are not Christians, you go to these top art schools. And I have friends teaching at many of the art, top art schools, or they have. We have people at top museums, people who have won Grammys and Emmys and Academy Awards, you name it. You know, and in so many of these areas, they're not happy. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're isolated. They're alone. And like they come to our house in LA and they say, this is an oasis. But that's what the body of Christ is. is this mm. is where you can get living water to reconnect to your faith. And so mm. for a secular artist, I'd say, if you feel like something's missing that really connects you with what is eternal, that is transcendent, I would say, check out check out the Bible, read it. It is stories and parables and and magnificent illustrations and funny funny stories. God has a sense of humor. All of it's in there that's inspired everybody from Dante to Bach to Handel to, you know, you name it. I mean, all Michelangelo, all this stuff. Mm. And the inspiration is there. And I think reconnecting the artist community to that, mm. whether you're Christian or non-Christian, it's life-giving. So, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that this model of a life in Christ and using creativity as a gift to your community, it's a beautiful way to live. Mm. Well, how's that? Uh, I I went from chills <laughs> to being actually uh, touched, uh, like genuinely oh. uh, get, having an experience of beauty to see that mm. there is uh, such a thing. Um, as what I'm witnessing right now that's happening. Uh, I think that's just uh, really wonderful. I want to thank you, uh, Joel. Thank you so much. Uh, where should people go? What's, the, the, what's your website? Uh, how, where can people connect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our our website is www.a, like arts, dash, hyphen, e, like entertainment, dash, m, like media. So arts or, or ministries, arts and ministries. It's dot org. 
Mm. Or if you Google my name, you'll find our videos on our website too, Joel Pelsu. That'll be in the notes. But www.a-e-m.org. We're on YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. And, and we also have online courses to teach you a really deep theology that we have, you know, professors at Christian colleges come to us to really get a deep theology that's anchored in biblical worldview. We have that. We have a calling course. And my wife teaches a course that trains artists how to be entrepreneurs. Because so many artists, you know, Magnus, you're an entrepreneur. But so many artists, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. How do I price this? How do I network? How do I promote? How do I, you know, get over the, the self insecure and be confident as an artist all those questions mm. and so my wife started that a couple of years ago tremendously successful helping artists all over the world so if that's something check that out we launched that it's a live course mm. so we launched that in the fall uh anyway we can help you if you have a question theologically whatever connect with us we are here to help creatives and uh be arm in arm alongside men like magnus wonderful thank you so much for clarifying that Brother, uh, I looking forward to uh, to stay in touch and have a beautiful day. Always, you too. God bless. God bless.